Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 30th, the Fostering Teens edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I am a writer and cultural critic, a contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who will be 10 by the time you hear this. And we live in Los Angeles. I'm Evan Urquhart. I have a website called Assign Media, monitoring and fact-checking anti-trans propaganda in the U.S. And I have served as a foster parent to three teens, although I don't have any kiddos in Charlottesville with me right now. Well, we're so happy to have you, Evan. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. Well, today we're going to be leaning on Evan a lot. We are going to be talking about becoming a foster parent. We actually had two questions come in recently about fostering teens. So we're, we're so grateful you're here with us, Evan. And I've got a feeling you've got some great advice. Then on Slate Plus, we're going to talk about Utah's new laws restricting minors' ability to access and use social media. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And do we think it's up to the state to do this? Overexposure to social media is not good for people, you know, and it's certainly not good for young people. So I think this is a place where the state should intervene. I mean, I, I would probably prefer it if they intervened in ways that made it much more difficult to successfully run a social media company or maybe forcing them to run their business a little differently. I mean, I lo- like the idea of stopping them from collecting data. I like the idea of stopping them from doing targeted advertisement. I like. Right. I would much rather see the state doing that rather than yeah. a ban on a certain age group. Being a Slate Plus member means that you get a bonus segment from us each week, unlimited access to the Slate website, and perhaps best of all, zero ad interruptions. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus. Okay, we're going to dive into our triumphs and fails of the week, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back. Jamila, do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? We will soon see. Naima's birthday is this week. It's Wednesday. She's turning the Big Ten. I can't believe it. And we are having a party for her on Saturday. But... Due to no fault of my own, I'll say the invitations didn't go out until Monday of this week. So I am in a panic. In the mail or Evite? Uh, I texted some moms and she gave physical invitations to kids in class. Okay. Okay. So So five days before. Five days before. That is pushing it. I am so anxious. I'm so afraid. Her dad was supposed to do the invitations. He had a crazy week last week. They didn't get done. If I had thought about it, I would have just gone on and done them myself. And now here we are. We've got this party we're paying for. It's at a place, you know, that you have to pay for. And I'm so afraid that she's not going to get a good turnout. And Naima has only had successful birthday parties for nine years. She's had nine great birthday parties where people always come. And so I mentioned to her that she could invite a few extra people because we have a limit of 15 kids for the party. 
And I was like, well, you know, invite a few extras in case people aren't able to make it. And she's like, mm-hmm. people always come to my parties. Like, she's mm-hmm. so confident about it. And I'm so scared. I'm so afraid of this being a bust. Can you follow up with the parents and clarify whether or not they're going to come? I did get some parents info. One parent, just I sent her the invite and she just liked it. So I'm assuming that means they're coming. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'll follow up with her later in the week just to double check. One parent responded that, you know, her child had a track meet and couldn't make it. And then another parent just didn't respond at all, which I was just like, how do you not respond? You know, and the only exchange I'd ever had with this parent before was her sending me her kid's birthday party you know, and we did get Naima there. So I was a little hurt and offended that she did not respond to my text message. So I don't know. I'm going to get Naima to get some more. You know, I told her, I was like, give me everybody's parents number. I need to talk to the parents. Yeah. I mean, there's still time. We still have time. I hope so. I think we need at least 10 for it to be successful. I think we could do 10 and it was a good day. Just going to be really hoping for you. Thank <laughs> That's you. That's so stressful. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm breaking down. So right now we're recording this on a Tuesday. So there's still some time. There's, there's still, still there's time. still some there's time. time. Yeah, um, but we're gonna want a full report with the list of all the people who attended, and then also the people who didn't respond to your text, and we'll shame them publicly <laughs> on the show. Sounds next good. Next week. Yeah, Evan, do you want to share a triumph or fail? Either you know something that happened this past week um, in your life, or you know as a as someone who has fostered kids in the past maybe you have a a kind of archival classic for us yeah i think i'm gonna go into the uh the trove of the archives for this one um i want to tell you the story of the one time i really tried like a tough love approach with a kid and what a terrible failure (laughs) (laughs) so i mean my approach with fostering teens has always been just radically trying to be accepting and affirming and like meeting them where they are and you know just seeing all of their struggles as our struggles as a family and trying to work with them but i'm someone who's very punctual i'm very concerned about being on time and i had um a 17 year old who had been with us for at least nine months at this point was a senior in high school and every single morning you know i'd knock on their door I would knock on their door again. Mm -hmm. I would say, okay, come on, we really need to get going. And it would be like, I would be practically living in that hallway, kind of, you know, shepherding them through the process of getting to school in the morning. And we would still be late, a little late sometimes. But like, for the most part, I was able to get them to school. They weren't failing school for being tardy all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at a certain point, I said, I'm so stressed out about this. This is a 17-year-old. You know, whether they fail school is their problem. I just need to let them know that I will be available to drive them to school, but I'm not going to do this anymore. And it, it makes sense. You know, I think yeah. I had a I had a solid theory. So I tried it and they didn't go to school that day. <laughs> and they kind of had, I mean, maybe emotional meltdown is like too much, but they were so angry and so upset and so like hurt that I hadn't gotten them to school. And I was just like, you know what? This is not working for this kid. They need me there caring about them getting to school and it is yeah. not that big a deal. And so I just reversed course and I went right back to standing in the hallway, letting them know every 15 minutes that they needed to move a little faster. So yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. my fail. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it was, you, you know, it was one day that they, that they missed school. So you learn the lesson, they learn the lesson, and I feel like you bounce back real fast. Yeah, I think you really need to be flexible and understand that how things are supposed to work how long, isn't always how it's going to work. No. How long were they with you? Oh, they were with us uh, after their 18th birthday into their 19th uh, year, actually. That was our first and the kid that was with us the longest. And do you know to what degree they are or aren't punctual now? Oh, I expect they are not very punctual now. <laughs> Do I know? I don't have firsthand knowledge, but I don't think yeah. I don't think they're particularly punctual. But I think, you know, they get by. <laughs> yeah. Did you think like you're born punctual or you're not? Cuz sometimes I think that. I don't know. I kind of think my family is just very anxious specifically about that and that I just kind of grew up with being on time is really something I always talk about is like there are values that you try to teach your kids, but then there are just your own hangups that your kids get. And the, right. the punctuality is very much, I think, just a hangup of my parents that, you know, I grew up with. It's always important. So now it's important to me. <laughs> yeah. I was always a late person for most of my life. And my parents are very punctual, especially my dad. Well, my mom's always on the time, too. But my dad is early, you know, and obnoxious about it. And like, <laughs> but since I moved to L.A., I've become... A punctual I still like I'm still the one who's going to get on the zoom for the podcast three minutes behind like I'm not always super punctual but in general like when I have places to go in person I'm usually there on time I try to get there five minutes early so there is hope for you know if you were not generally a punctual person I was in my mid-30s when I became one yeah well I have I have a little triumph this week as listeners might know we live close to our school so I, I often go and pick Noah up on foot um, and we were walking home from school yesterday and here in Detroit spring is it's still pretty cold but there's like some some blossoming happening some some very early spring blossoming which is very exciting just to see like the beginnings of flowers emerging there have been times over the last couple of years, you know, Noah's five and a half now where she'll see flowers like either in someone's garden or just like in the park and she'll want to pick them. And I'm usually like, no, we shouldn't pick someone else's flowers or we shouldn't pick flowers from the park. Like they're, I don't know, like it, I've just felt like they're not really ours to pick. And then yesterday we were walking home and she saw like the first, this this beautiful little purple flower coming up out of the house across the street, which is actually for sale. There's no one living there. And she's like, can I pick it? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, but it's not fully, it hasn't fully blossomed yet. I think I should, I should leave it. And and we shouldn't pick other people's flowers. Uh, so it was like, she was like, she was like, you know, reminding me of a lesson that I kind of half-heartedly taught her, but it just reminded me like, these kids are always listening. Always. They're just like, Always, always absorbing and like sometimes i just feel like i'm arbitrarily just like making a line in the sand just to like have some kind of definitive answer to give her and this was an instant where i was like she's budding like a little flower and uh Aww. it's it's so cute and i just don't appreciate it enough that like she can't turn herself off like d d no matter what they are absorbing what what we're telling them a little spring cuteness that's super sweet but i am excited that like it's not 20 degrees anymore that's very exciting well on that note we're going to take another quick break see you back here in a minute this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, let's hear our first listener question. Dear Mom and Dad, My partner and I have been thinking a lot about our family recently and have decided that becoming foster parents might be the right move for us. As much as I love interacting with my little nieces and nephews, I think I'm better suited for caring for older kids or teens. I was a camp counselor for a while and strongly considered becoming a high school teacher. I'd love any advice for caring for teens, especially if you're not a parent and haven't been a caregiver before. A lot of the foster parent resources are helpful, but seem to be geared for younger kids. What else should we know? Signed, want to be foster parent. Jamila, what do you think? I think you all should seriously consider this. There are so many young people that are in foster care, uh, particularly older teenagers and older kids that don't get, you know, swooped up the same way that babies and toddlers do. Um, I think that you can start, We, I mean, we have an actual expert here, so I won't say too much, but I would say you can start reading things about child development for older kids, you know, to prepare yourself. And you should be reading articles in the newspaper about the lives of teens. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that's come out about teens in the past few years in terms of their mental health, their relationship to social media, how they're faring during this pandemic. Put teens on your radar in a meaningful way. And if this is something you all are serious about, then you should go for it. Oh, absolutely. Evan, maybe before we kind of get into you addressing this question head on, could you talk a little bit about why you you entered the, the foster parent zone in the first place? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my first job out of college was a residential program, like a group home for teenagers. And it was a uh, really meaningful job. It was a really tough job to do um, when I was so young. And my like takeaway was I just wanted to take them all home. (laughs) (laughs) So I had in the back of my mind, um, you know, even early when I met my wife, I just said, this is something I've always wanted to do is foster teens specifically. We weren't able to become parents and, uh, you know, through the traditional way. And so, you know, we had thought that we would do that first and we just moved right on to step two, which was fostering teens. One of the most amazing experiences in my life, one of the most fun experiences in my life. I think people talk about fostering as if you're, you know, you're a martyr and you're, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're really giving something back, which you absolutely are. But uh, teens are so interesting. They're so fun. They have such great insights. It's you're learning about a, a whole other person And unlike a young kid, they can really tell you about themselves and bring you into their world in this amazing way that I really loved. So what was like the first thing you did once you decided, okay, I am going to become a foster parent? Like, where do you where to begin? 
So we got in touch with the agency. There was one agency in our local area. This was in California at the time that was LGBT friendly, which was important to my family. They basically were like, yes, definitely. You want to foster teens? Absolutely. <laughs> they they got yeah. the process rolling almost you know, more quickly than we, you know, than we anticipated. It was like, get you in, get you doing this. How quickly are we talking? I think that they found a teen for us before we were done with the training. Hmm. (laughs) So it was really quick. I was actually, um, when our, our first foster kid came to to stay in our home, I had been visiting my brother <laughs> because I was trying to do that before we started the fostering was have a big, you know, trip over to the East Coast. Yeah. And we had a kid in the house before I got back. Wow. Um, but exactly like the question asker is saying, um, all of the resources, all of the training was geared. I think we had one lesson or maybe a partial lesson on fostering teens and it is because most of the foster parents they're working with want younger kids um you know they had a little bit on infants they had a lot on you know younger kids and they had very very little on teens one great thing about fostering teens especially slightly older teens is you can leave them at home and right. like have a date with your significant other like you can't leave them at home all the time but like yeah, yeah. You, it, it's very conducive to having something like a life a normal life you can continue to work you know we we all worked full time you know it's what you need is to is to like them <laughs> you know and i know that sounds so stupid but you need to try and be interested in their interests you need to try and let them show you the the thing that they're so fascinated by whether it's you know you may think it's really silly it, it's a youtuber or it's a a video game or or whatever it is but you need to really try and share that with them and to start from a place of connecting with them because unlike a little kid you're not connecting over the fact that you know you're feeding them every single meal or you're you mm-hmm. know getting them dressed or whatever the most important thing is to to start as early as possible and you know they're very awkward they're very scared to come out of their room sometimes on the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be that person who is not being overbearing, but, you know, knocking on the door, drawing them out, encouraging them to feel comfortable and to start to, you know, form a relationship with you. And and for teens, I really think that the relationship is everything. They're old enough to set their own priorities in life. They're old enough to know what problems they have to work on. You have to provide them with a solid connection with an adult that is going to let them use that to do what they want to do with their lives. And this is another interesting thing about fostering. Like you were saying before, like my youngest is two and a half and I still haven't had like a deeply meaningful conversation with him yet because he can't speak at that level yet. And you are in the position of you've got someone coming to your house who's like a full intellectual person you haven't parented before as you know the first time around what did you do to prepare for like whoa there's just going to be like a full person living in our midst is there is there anything you know yes you can read and yes you can do the training and stuff but like any kind of internal work that you had to do to integrate a, a new member of the family with such you know speed i mean i definitely think that uh the question asker mentioned being a uh teacher like having some even if it's just with relatives, having some like comfort with the process of getting to know a teen is, I would say, really important. I think the most important thing is to 
is to understand that you need to kind of go to them first. Um, and then the other thing is, I think people don't realize how how dumb they are, how young they are. You know what I mean? You get like kind of a tough facade, but the the second you break through it, they're just so wanting to be loved and mm -hmm. wanting to be accepted that you can really crush that very much more easily than you think. So, so really taking that seriously once they start to open up to you and realizing what a kind of precious thing that is um, and how undefended they really are. Once you get past that little bit of, you know, sullenness or, or you know, rebelliousness, they're, they're really very, very naive, I think, at that age. Kind of even a really streety kid will be pretty naive at that age. Did you have to do any disciplining? Did we have to do any disciplining is an interesting question. So we really did come from a respectful parenting framework where it's very much about natural consequences. It's very much about not protecting people from the consequences of their own actions rather than kind of coming up with a like a creative punishment it's more th thinking through like you know what is the way that we can emphasize that you know our time like our boundaries are this or our time is you know important or that kind of thing mm -hmm. so we didn't do discipline in that way i will say that's not there were situations um and with foster care you have to be very careful about about um, confidentiality. There were situations we got into with kids where things were pretty serious, where kids had to not be in the house for a, for a time or something like that. So it's certainly not that we weren't very mindful that if there was some kind of danger to the kid or danger to others, that that had to be taken very seriously and dealt with very quickly and, you know, decisively. But in terms of everyday stuff, it was much more a process of their goals, what was healthy for them, and how we could help them facilitate that. And the natural consequence, like if you stay up all night, you're going to be tired all day. You know, like sure. you're 17, there's not a lot that I'm going to do, you know, to help you with that. All right. I want to bring in our second question because it's related to the first. I want to be foster parent, the first letter writer. You sound just like a, a caring, loving person who does have experience. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very excited for this journey and I would love for you to uh, keep us posted on on what you decide to do. But uh, I, I want to bring in the second question, which was actually called into the mom and dad are fighting hotline, the new voicemail, which is very exciting. Howdy. First, I just want to say thanks for all the great advice. I've just been recently listening and uh, I've really been enjoying it. Uh, here's my question. My wife and I are about to begin the process of foster certification. We'd mainly like to foster teenagers. I've been off social media for more than a decade but I'm wondering if I need to sign up for basics like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to understand these tools. For some context, we're in our late 30s, have no other children, and I am an ex-teacher who works in technology now, and my wife works in social services. Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks so much. Oh, I don't think you need to sign up for Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I do think you need to just watch a little bit of TikTok, and I think, you know, sort of... What I was talking about with the earlier question asker was you need to be really open to finding out what the kids are interested in and investigating it, but letting them show you things, you know? So if they show yeah. you TikTok videos, look at those TikTok videos and then maybe look at some other TikTok videos in a similar vein. If they're showing you YouTube stuff, watch the ones that they're showing you and then maybe look at other stuff because there is a lot of kind of, I would say... Uh, negative or dangerous um, 
stuff out there. And I do think that once you know what your teen is interested in, trying to familiarize yourself with what else is around that is important, but not signing up for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Your kids aren't on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no chance. Jamila, what's what's the dynamic these days with you and Naima and, and her social use? Uh, she does get to spend some time on TikTok, um, which I regret. Like, if I could do it all over again, she would have no social media at this point. Like, it happened too soon. But she does get to do TikTok a little bit. And occasionally she scrolls through Instagram. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty light. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the nightmare story that we had. That's sort of tongue in cheek. One of our kids was really interested in, in becoming a cop and had all of these YouTube videos that were like, maybe not quite Blue Lives Matter, but kind of Blue Lives Matter. And, Mm -hmm. you know, kids are an insecurity or a weakness sensing, you know, machine. I think the fact that it bothered us as much as we tried to not be bothered was exactly why that kid kept showing us more and more of these videos, kept trying to argue with us about the police. We, of course, kept trying to like, not lie about our beliefs, but also not, you know, quash someone or right. argue with someone or whatever. Right. Um, I, I felt very disturbed by what that kid was into. And I wouldn't say it had a perfect resolution. Uh, we mm. kept the relationship with the kid. We didn't cause blowups. We didn't cause meltdowns, but it made me uncomfortable. It still makes me uncomfortable that that's something that they were so interested in. <laughs> yeah, that, that reminded me, I wanted to ask you about, because you're not fostering anymore, to what extent are you involved in, I don't know what you refer to them as, your your former foster kids? But yeah, like how, how enmeshed, if at all, are you in their lives now that they're out of the house? Yeah, so we have one who is in pretty frequent contact, who is doing really well. Ironically, this is the kid that stayed the least time. Um, this was a kid who sort of realized that she had needs that weren't being addressed and staying with us for a short time kind of helped her to figure that out and, you know moved into a setting that she felt was more therapeutic and it it kind of did great for her. It, it mm-hmm. really, she's doing amazingly well. There is uh, another kid who is under 18 who doesn't want to be in contact with us right now, but who we still reach out to occasionally their caseworker just to let them know that, you know, we're still around, we're still a resource. Um, and they know that if and when they want to reach out to us that they can And then that's sort of the same with the oldest who hasn't been in touch for a while, but (laughs) has has texted, what's my social security number to my ex-wife? You know, they'll they kind of know how to get in touch. And if they need us, they will be. You know, I think that the hardest lesson for me in fostering teens has been just to see giving someone a safe place where they're loved for a few years as a really amazing thing and not be not be so invested in what their outcome going to be are they going to be you know successful or or mm-hmm. are they going to avoid problems in their life because a lot of kids who are in the foster care system are going to have some problems in their life and you can't necessarily protect them from everything um from that but giving them a safe place where they're cared about for a few years is a huge thing and and something that I'm very proud of doing yeah as you should be it's it it's it's a profound thing Evan, is there anything else you want to say to these prospective foster parents or just to current foster parents having had the experiences you've had? Yes, I think the most important thing is a 
is a commitment mindset. My ex-wife and I said any problem these kids have are something that our own natural children could have had. When they come into our house, they're a part of our family as much as they want to be for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I think we had success with kids and, you know, success being defined as kids staying in one place for a much longer time than they ever had before. Mm -hmm. Kids making a connection with adults when they hadn't before. We had success that was not expected from a lot of the professionals that we worked with. And we got a lot of praise and we said, all we're doing is committing and and just not seeing this as a situation that we because that's the hardest thing about fostering is like any parent you know if they could just pick up the phone and say get this kid out of my life are gonna have moments <laughs> when they would love to do that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so having that option is very kind of scary you just have to not use it i think well if any of you out there listening have any advice or experience that you'd like to share please send us a voice memo at 646-357-9318 that's 646-357-9318. Or you can always email us too at momanddad at slate.com. That's it for our show. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Audio at Slate. For Jamila Lemieux and Evan Urquhart, I'm Zach Rosen. Thank you for listening.